Welcome back, everyone, to Inspiration for Your Soul. I'm Callie Rawson. This week's guest is Coach Mike Kyle. Mike is Nova 42 Academy's CEO, Director of Debate, Creator, and Co-Founder, along with his wonderful wife, Young, COO and Director of Speech. Mike is an accomplished speaker who began a competitive speaking career when he was just 12 years old, when he was invited to attend a high school speaking competition even though he was still in junior high. He won first place in that debate and went on to win 78 more times, taking home 117 trophies along the way. Mike became the youngest recipient to win the National Forensics League's coveted double ruby. He continued winning all through college and graduated magna cum laude from ASU with a BS in engineering. Mike became a notable and sought after speaker He began realizing his dream of mentoring students in speech and debate in 2011. His caring and personalized mentoring has caused many of his students to tell him that he's not only the best speech and debate coach they've ever had, but the best teacher. Learn even more at Nova42.com. Thanks for listening. you like to be introduced as the the creator and founder of nova yeah sure i mean if you want to i mean i my wife's involved too i don't want to cut her out of the deal but uh i am the i am the creator and and co-founder of nova 42 and the 42 is important because it represents a lot of things uh in our life um and there's a really good story actually behind it too um but it's it's you know i I think that what we represent is, uh, we call it an educational sanctuary. We try to really make something that kids want to come to. So we've had kids coming here, the same kids coming here for some of them over seven years. Uh, And they just keep coming back and we keep teaching them new stuff. And um, we're now uh, 300 kids and we're the largest speech and debate academy in the world. Wow. And we just moved into our new uh, building about a year and a year and a little bit more than a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a big, you know, most of the speech and debate academies out there, you'll see them in strip centers and maybe about 1,500 square feet. But this is about 11,000 square feet, two-story building that has classrooms and a cafeteria and two libraries and all sorts of great stuff. So we, we have decided not to go on vacation ever again in our life and just put everything into this <laughs> uh, this operation. And it's paid off. I think the kids really enjoy it. They like it here. Uh, we've got crazy stuff all over the place. This room is covered in Star Wars and and uh, all sorts of crazy space theme. We have we have a space theme throughout the whole place. So each classroom is named after a planet. Uh, with our innovation lab is named uh, Kepler 22b. Obviously, the the future of the planet Earth is probably somewhere out there. So we we've basically just created this kind of fun, um, scientific but um, still very nerdy and crazy kind of environment for people and the kids really like it. We have mostly elementary kids. I think we have somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 85 elementary kids here uh, starting in first grade. They have to be able to read basically. And then um, middle school we have about I think somewhere in the neighborhood of oh gosh what is it a hundred something. And then we have 38 high schoolers, and we're one of the few academies that actually has high schoolers. Most of the high schoolers take speech and debate or join their team at their school. And what we found is that there's a number of kids 
that either through budget cuts or just schools not being interested don't have programs. And so we set up a program so that they could compete and uh, go all over the, the country with us and do crazy stuff. So. Before I started recording, you were saying you had 900 students in a tournament? Uh, no, we have, we have 300 students, but we just did a tournament where we had about 950 entries. And that's a big tournament. That's a real big tournament. So we had to create a system with the help of a guy by the name of Danny Cantrell from Forensics Tournament. Uh, he integrated a, a platform called 8x8, which is a video conferencing platform, open source, similar to Zoom. He integrated it into a tabulation software so that we could run the tournament and assign these video rooms just like we would assign a physical room. And then the student gets an email, the judge gets an email, they go to the room, um, they can share information like prompts for, for impromptu and things like that. They can debate, uh, they can have multiple screen. We have Congress, we had Congress once where we had you know, 35 people on screen. And we're, we've been able to keep this thing going and, and working and on time, which is big for the parents, uh, and really create something that uh, is a, the best alternative we've come up with uh, for what's going on out there. And that's important to keep these kids practiced, keep them, you know, focused and jazzed about the whole thing. So we have, um, over the last couple months, uh, Robert Cannon and I have run, I think, nine tournaments online and we're about to take on our national tournament so we're a little tired we work long days and uh, we don't get out of here till about nine ten o'clock at night every day um, but we love it it's what we do i wouldn't change it or trade it for anything and that's why you're on our show sharing ah. with our audience about what inspires you about what you do that keeps you up late at night and working so much yeah you know i i think it comes down to the fact that i was kind of a very small kid when i grew up i was five foot four when i graduated high school and so i grad i graduated after high school and so i got picked on a lot in high school i got put into garbage cans and you know when you're that small and you get put in a garbage can the only option you have is to literally tip it over on yourself and just be covered in trash and it's humiliating. And it was just one of those things that, that, that would happen to me from all the jocks and you know, everybody thought it was funny to put the little guy in the, the trash. It really inspired me to wanna wanna take a different route, not to be physical, not to be you know violent, but to be funny uh, and to really defend myself with my words. And so, you know, joining the speech team, I was also on choir and I was in drama. Uh, pretty much all the things that were very artistic and I loved it. I loved every minute of it and I did pretty good in speech and debate. I actually got um, I got a scholarship out of high school for believe it or not opera and um, I took it over at Western Oregon back, back then it was Western Oregon State College vocal studies and I loved it but then Arizona State threw a scholarship at me for speech and debate and so I went down there to the uh, Walter Cronkite School of Broadcast Journalism and uh, really enjoyed being there and I grew I grew to like five foot nine I grew five inches when I was in college oh. and I started traveling all over the place and speaking and then I ended up changing my my major my dad pointed out that communication doesn't pay that well so I changed it to engineering and I graduated with an engineering degree 
which my mom freaked out because all she knew was choir drama and speech and all this sudden her son's you know got an engineering degree but i took it out into the world and i started you know making money and i started feeling how great it was to make money um, because i could use it for fun and travel and things like that and i got a little bit you know i don't know uh i kind of was an ass i guess i i was not the best of people i i was very shallow really wanted material things um really felt like everybody else was you know stupid uh and I, i i probably wasn't a lot of fun to be around and i even had a colleague who i worked with for eight years and i said to her at her going away i said you know i really appreciate you and i really you know loved you from the day you started and she said oh she goes you were an ass the day you started <laughs> she goes i couldn't stand you <laughs> and it was just one of those moments where you said oh wow okay <laughs> i should look at myself a little harder and i did i started looking at myself a lot harder and i went to a place called life academy which was a chinese organization and i started really looking at myself and they they ask you questions like what would you say to somebody if you had two minutes left to live and it makes you think it makes you just say what what is really important and it really shaped my life and it really gave me strength which is great because my wife at the time decided to leave me. So I needed that strength. I needed that that power for me to be, you know, who I wanted to be. And I think that was a really a, a big part of me kind of going down a road that said, why don't we find things for me that are important to my soul instead of important to my my wallet. Uh and it really it really did help change me. I I'd gone through a number of different things. Um you know it was my second marriage and so i was also in a startup company and that's where i met you i think was with that startup company and i was going through a lot of changes a lot of you know personal dis- discovery and exploration and just trying to figure out who i was and i was in the entertainment business and honestly i got to meet some really incredible people there well i'm glad i met you after the ass stage yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you would probably have me on your show if that's uh, how you remembered me. Yeah, I don't I have a lot of friends from that uh, era of my life and I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all at all. Uh, but I, you know, I I really did focus on some good things and finally I just said to uh, my my third what I like to call my final wife and I, I am still with her uh, which is good. And I said to her, you know, I just want to retire and and just like teach speech and debate because I loved it so much. And she just immediately said, "You should." And I was like, "Wow, this is cool." You know, I got that support and I got that go ahead. And I said, "You know what? I'm going to do this." So, I did. I started a little tiny uh, what they call a hagwon or Korean academy. And I started teaching these kids. I had about 40 kids. and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. These kids were amazing. And I I teach them everything I knew and everything I remembered and it was all coming back to me. It was great. I felt like I was just empowered. And they were loving it. I think that's the best part for me is that you know, you're you're giving yourself and you're getting such great, you know, feedback. So, I did that and they started winning. And about 8 months into it, my wife came in and she said, "Hey, um How do you feel about, you know, them recording you in your classes? And I said, "What? They're they're recording me?" She's like, "Yeah, there's a camera in your room." So I went back into my room and there's this tiny lipstick little camera in the corner of the ceiling. 
hidden and they had been recording me this whole time and i'm like i don't i don't think i feel good about that at all actually <laughs> <It doesn't laughs> so i told my kids which you know that's kind of i guess teacher or coach i am i said hey you know that we're being recorded and they're all like yeah there's like a camera <laughs> and i said why don't we do something about it and they're like we got the great plan and so they went and they printed out a color photo of the room from that camera they took a digital photo and then they taped it up on the ceiling so that the camera saw the room and all of us hard at work but not with our eyes so they couldn't see our eyes and it went like that for two weeks uh before they they really wanted to fire me um <laughs> and i and i got it i mean it was the safety of the kids and all that stuff and but it made me think to myself you know you didn't you don't trust me make me you know criminal background check me whatever do whatever you need to do so it was about then when i left and i said you know what i'm just going to start my own place this is i can do this better and i'd run you know several businesses so i figured what the heck i'm going to try and they laughed and they said you you know nothing about this industry i said eh, let's give it a shot so i did and we went to a tournament i i basically i I, I started out and nobody was coming and I was like, it's okay. I, kn I know that I'll, I'll get the word out. We'll start advertising. Before I even did, one of, the, one of the parents found me on LinkedIn and said, we were wondering where you went. And I said, well, I promised the academy I wouldn't try to approach their kids or go after them, that I would do it my own way. And she said, oh, well, all the parents want to know where you went. And within about two weeks, I had about 44 kids. And in about two months, I had wiped out pretty much that, that other academy. <laughs> And I didn't, it wasn't my purpose or, or yeah. I wasn't happy about it. But at the same time, I knew that I was offering something that they really wanted. You know, that made me happy. And so we just started growing and growing. And, and pretty soon we got, we got a lot of trophies. We started winning. Um, and I always tell people, I always tell my parents, it's not about trophies. Trophies are great. Who doesn't love a trophy, right? You look at a trophy and it's shiny and you put it up on your shelf and you go, look at what I did. But it's really about the application of what we're learning to life. Communication is by far the most important thing and it's what saved me uh, through high school, obviously, but it's also what made me lots of money in life is that I was a good communicator. And I really found that, you know, I could take on a Princeton grad or, or a Harvard MBA and I would take these positions and CEOs or whatever positions I would get. And I was able to compete because when it comes right down to it, as I tell my kids, it's not the degree that gets you hired, it's the results. It's what you can do for a company. You know, it's what you can provide to them. And they see that, they know it. So I try to teach my kids the same thing and how important it is to be a really good, effective communicator, to think critically and to understand bias and you know, understand what this world looks like and how do we apply all these skills that we're learning because we can learn so much in school we can gather so much content, but if we can't communicate it, then it's worthless. You know, I had a student from Caltech. She's a great student, um, fantastic, you know, student academic. And she had a project, a board presentation. And there was a competition at Caltech called the Purball Competition. And she came to me and she said, I need help. And I said, okay, what do you want to do? She goes, I want to win. <laughs> I said, okay, great. How'd you, do, how'd you do last year? She goes, I didn't even make it into quarterfinals. I said, oh, okay, well, let's get it working. So we worked on it and um, we started talking about how it's a technical issue she's trying to communicate, but people don't want to necessarily hear technical. 
there's parts of it that have to be, but they want to hear something that pleases them, that entertains them, that does more than just informs them, that perhaps persuades them to take action. And that's when she started to really get what she needed to do. And uh, glad to say she did win first place. She went on to compete all over the, the world, I think. She competed up in San Francisco and Harvard with these poster boards. And she did fantastic out there. And I was so proud. But I was also, you know, one of the things that we talked about um, that, you know, we made really clear is that she could have the best project in the world. And her project was amazing. It was a 3D bandage that you would put on top of your cornea that would actually heal a scarred cornea, which affects 10 million people get a scarred cornea from sand or dust or whatever. And this would actually actively heal it instead of you know a patch it would create something you could see through Mm -hmm. and we said to her i said this is amazing this needs to be out there wow but it's never going to be out there if you can't communicate it if you can't share this with other people and it really stuck me you know stuck with me how important that message was that we have so much to share all of us and we have so much to you know innovate and give but if we can't if we can't talk about it, we can't share it and, and help other people understand it. Um, so that's kind of the inspiration of why I've stuck with this is that I know it's really important and I know that it really helped me identify um, you know, what I wanted to do in my life. So I was really happy that I could provide this kind of academy, this kind of, like I like to say, educational sanctuary where kids aren't bullied, kids are are as nerdy as they want to be and crazy. I mean, they're coming to Nova 42. I mean, the name right there, you know, kind of gives them the feeling that it's going to be okay. Um, But they get it. They know the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Mm -hmm. that the answer to life, the universe and everything is 42. Um, They know that Nova, uh, I always tell the parents that Nova represents a star at its brightest. Mm -hmm. But what it really is, is Nova the superhero. because I grew up with this superhero comic and Nova was always my favorite. And I thought, wow, how cool would it be to have an academy uh, called Nova Academy? Mm-hmm. And so I combined it. The reason we did 42, there's a good story. Can I tell the story? Is that okay? I would love talking. it. Uh, well, there was a Nova high school down in Florida in his big speech and debate program. So that was an obstacle a little bit. And there was a Nova Academy down in Irvine, completely different kind of school. But we just didn't want to be the same as Nova Academy. And I said, what, can we add a number? And they said, okay, it was my wife, Jung, who said, what do you want? I said, I I want Nova 42, because she knew that was my favorite number. And she goes, okay, well, maybe we should, you know, look around. And we were at the dinner table and it was my son, Owen, my son, uh, Dan, and my really young son, Liam at the time, and my wife, Jung. And we said, well, what other numbers, you know, could we put? And Jung, you know, was basically, starting it out she said well my lucky number is seven and my oldest son said you know his lucky number was uh uh, 12. i think it was 12 or it was 16 i can't remember well you'll figure it out in a little bit and then my middle son said his lucky number was 23 and we added it up and it equaled 42. and we all but we hadn't said it yet right because then we looked at Liam and we said, oh, you know, the, oh, Liam, what's your lucky number? And I swear to God, he just looked at us 
And he's like three years old. And he said, zero. And that's when it went, okay, it's got to be 42. It worked out. So that's when we decided that we were going to go with it. And it was really kind of odd. People would always ask us, what's this 42 all about? Um, I went to Arizona State. And that was the number of Pat Tillman, who was killed in friendly fire. And they have a, a statue of him at, um, at um, Arizona State. Um, and he's well known and they have the Pat Tillman 42 run and all these different things. 42 is a big number at Arizona State. Um, and I live in Pasadena and right next to Pasadena City College, Jackie Robinson uh, Field, which he was number 42, with the Dodgers. Um, big fan of the X-Files, which you know, Fox Mulder was in apartment 42. And we just started realizing this was a really powerful and well-seen number. It was also the number that appeared on all the Apple commercials on their iPhones. So it would always show either 942 or 742. Uh, and what was really cool is I came up with this number as my favorite number when I was six years old, uh, a long time ago. And I put it on the side of a spacecraft that I had designed. And I gave it to my mom and she put it on the refrigerator. And one day she came to me with my spacecraft drawing. I'm like, what are you doing? And then she held up a newspaper and she, she showed me a design for the space shuttle. And she said, you know, you drew the space shuttle before it was even released. And I was, I was like, wow, cool. I can design a space shuttle. <laughs> so. Uh, 42 meant a lot and when I read the book Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and the Answer to Life the Universe and Everything was 42 I was like blown away thinking that is such a powerful thing and it stayed with me and here we are Nova 42 we built it into a, a really cool thing I guess what you know you're successful when the kids of your school create emails and they put the number 42 in their emails that's what we keep, you know, we'll say, what's your email? And they'll be like, da-da-da, 42. And you'll think, oh, wow, that's really cool. You've impacted something. So I think that's, gosh, I hope my story, <laughs> I hope that's everything that, um, you know, I like to uh, explain. It's been a crazy ride, uh, emotional for sure, tough. I mean, we are, there's two academies now that I think are going out of business right now because of the, uh, the thing. And I, I got to tell you, we have people signing up. You know, we have people gaining. Uh, we're gaining attendance here. Um, our summer's going to be okay. We're going to be, we're actually going to get through this. And I, sometimes I think how lucky we are, you know, to be able to have that kind of loyalty. But at the same time, um, I don't know if you've ever read uh, Blue Ocean Strategy. So You know, great. it's on my list. It's a good book. It's a good book. Yeah. And it talks... It talks about the red bloody sea of competition, mm -hmm. um, but it really focuses on the idea of a blue ocean, that we don't have to have competitors, that there's so much out there. There's so many fish in the sea, so to speak. And it, just just coming up with your niche, you know, coming up with that thing that really you can center on and you can do better um, than anything else in your life, that you can really do well, uh, really equals that ability, not only to create success in your life, but I think also to enjoy what you're doing in life uh, because you've created it and you believe in it. And that's kind of the motto I teach all my kids. I have leadership camps and the motto I teach all my kids is something I learned in high school in a, in a leadership camp. And it was people support what they create. 
And when you take that attitude into anything, whether it be with kids or with my staff, the idea that you can't tell people how they're going to change or what they're going to do and expect success. Nobody likes to change. Nobody likes to be told what to do. But when you say, here's our dilemma, here's our issue, here's our goal, how do we do it? Let's think about it. And when they come up with stuff and you say, wow, you think you could do that? And they say, yeah. And the next thing you know, you got everything you need to get things done because people do support what they create. They will make it happen. Same thing with kids too. So we take a very project-based approach to learning. Um, we do not uh, give tests. We don't believe in them. Uh, we stay away from a lot of the what you consider normal education styles. And we focus on fun. And we focus on kids being powerful and empowered. And they come up with these great debate cases and unbelievable speeches. And then they go out, they get inspired by their own stuff. And then they go out and create charities. Um, and they make a name for themselves. The next thing you know, they're getting into great colleges and not because of great test scores necessarily, but because they're unique and the colleges recognize that they're, you know, a really high quality individual. So I love it. This is, you know, fantastic for me to be part of. I feel, um, I feel a little, uh, what's the word under, uh, I don't want to say, I, I feel like my skill is hiring incredible coaches that that's really what I'm here for is to run the business, hire incredible coaches and make sure that everything is safe and everything is, is steered towards life and not steered towards winning the next competition. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of the key to our success. And most, most importantly, it's the key to my satisfaction. I just wouldn't want to do this if it wasn't fun. It yeah. wasn't doing something good. You know, I love that you're making educational fun, education fun. So um, you almost went down the road we're heading down right now. Yeah. Um, I'd like for you to share a time, maybe, you know, um, building this business or whatever you'd like to share about a time when you got derailed, when you yeah. were challenged and you just felt like... I I had um, I had the opportunity to work with a really talented guy. You know him too, Richard Green. Oh, um, amazing! Who, you know, He's the voice he, of Three Orbs of Light narrator. Yeah, I mean, and the guy just has the voice. He's got the voice. Mm -hmm. Can't deny it. Uh, he is the voice of Smokey the Bear, and that, <laughs> that's, that alone is cool. Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of all the other cool things he's done, but I got a chance to work with him and work with his films, and he trusted me. You know, he really trusted me uh, to start something I think we started, which was great, and giving a chance for filmmakers to get their films out there. And, you know, with only about 450 or so films getting distribution every year, it was, uh, and thousands and thousands of films being made. Um, it was him who was in the room one day, an editing room, and, you know, I think somebody just asked him, what, what is it about all these films what is it about this operation? And he said, you know, they just had to be made. And that stuck. And, and it was like, wow, this is fantastic. And so we came up with some cool ideas. We put them into play. We got a partner, business partner at one point to create a side business 
for independent video stores to help them compete. And it was a buyer's group through a computer technology. Um, and so we brought on all these different people and it kind of, it didn't really get away from us. We, we, did, we put in four or five good years, but things were changing, you know, and things were just starting to happen with Redbox and some of these other delivery things and, and video stores were, when we first started, video stores were about, I don't know, I think there was somewhere in the neighborhood of 31,000. Uh, by the time we had to end up shuttering the, the business, there was about 1,400 left. And so it's just a changing industry. And, and um, I think I also got a little bit probably carried away with um, the vision I had for what it needed to be. And so it ended the business. It, it probably, I don't know, it, I hope it didn't end the friendship. I did see, uh, I did see Richard at uh, dinner um, about seven, eight years ago. And he was fantastic. He came over and he did a magic trick for my youngest son who hadn't been born yet when Richard and I were working together. Um, and it was good seeing him, it felt good. Um, but it was a tough time. And it was then when not only did the business you know, shut down, uh, that my second wife decided that she was gonna wanna be with somebody else. Um, I had to claim bankruptcy. So I lost pretty much everything. Um, my car couldn't pay for my, um, you know, the place I was living my house um, I couldn't I couldn't do a lot of things and I remember just sitting on the couch for about three four days thinking you know oh poor me <laughs> um, and I remember one of my friends came over and, and he just looked at me and he said what is wrong with you he said this isn't you he said you don't give up you just fight you get in and I said yeah I just I just don't know what to fight with I don't know what to fight for you know I feel like I just put so much into that operation and it didn't make it happen. It didn't make it, you know, stay in business. And I had made other businesses in my life all work. That was the only business that ever failed for me. And I just kind of sat there on the couch and he looked at me and he goes, you know, buddy, you got to get back out there. Why don't we just make some films? And I said, I looked at him and I said, huh, buddy films. And so we started an operation called Buddy Films. And um, it was mainly him. I was, you know, always the business side. I'm not the filmmaker side of things. And uh, started working on it. And as we were working on it, it really inspired me that, you know what, you're right. I, I know how to make money. I know how to make a business work. And so I went back into the printing business and I, I started working on that, started getting that together. And I really felt like I had let down a lot of people. You know, it sucks when you can't, when you have to tell employees that you can't pay them anymore. I mean, that really, I don't know for most people, but that really hurt. That that was the worst. I felt like, you know, that was the biggest failure it was not that I had failed the business, but they had failed these people that believed in me and believed in the business. I think there's, that's the bigger thing. So I, I realized I got to get, I got to get my stuff together. I got to figure this out. I got to figure out what to do. Uh, and so I pulled some of the, the things that I learned from, you know, the Life Academy and and about, you know, just looking inward and, and just taking the time to think about things and saying, okay, it's going to be okay. Just fight, just fight. Uh, and I did. And so I kept fighting. I kept getting opportunities. And when I came across this idea that I could start 
you know, coaching, speech and debate. And I asked my wife, I said, what do you think? And she's like, yeah, um, it, it just, things just started really moving. I think that I found my groove. I found um, something that I never thought I would be in. I, I didn't like school. Um, school brought back bad memories for me. And I only had maybe two or three really good teachers and I liked them, but uh, the other teachers, I just, you know, didn't have a lot of respect for. And I, I just didn't think I'd ever be a teacher for sure. And so I got into the whole thing. And one of the things that started really quickly was, and by this time I had three boys, I had kids coming up to me saying, hey, I got this problem. And I was wondering if you could help. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, sure. Is it, is it with an oratory? Is it, you know, is it with uh, debate? And they were like, no, you see, my mom doesn't want to let me have a phone. And, and I started listening. I started realizing these, these kids need to apply what I'm teaching. They need to be able to learn persuasion so that they can get through their life uh, so that they can not be ruled by some of these, you know, and I say this in the nicest way, tiger moms that, that want them to only do homework and study. And so I think it was then when I started to realize some of these dads were living in Korea, living in China, and these kids, these kids didn't have dads. And so they would come to me and ask me these questions. And pretty, I never knew, I never thought for a minute that I would become a dad to so many kids. Um, you know, uh, and that sounds funny, but it's, it's, it's That's true that it, it's true that um, you can't be a mentor to somebody um, without really understanding who you're being a mentor to. And I think that's been something that's guided me because you can't be too personal with kids. It's just dangerous and it's, it's just not a safe thing to do. But at the same time, you can be there for kids. You can listen to them. Uh, you can talk about things in a way that, you know, I, I did this the other day. I had a brand new kid in the class and he was, I was filling in for the elementary teacher uh, because he was, he was judging at a tournament for me. And this young kid, and I think he's like fourth grade. And I said, okay, well, it's your turn. You want to get up and, and give it a try? And he just looked at me and he was like, no. <laughs> and I, I'm like, hmm. I said, okay. So I told him the story about my son when he first started, Dan. Uh, he's my middle guy. And he hid under a desk for like 20 minutes. And I said, you know, he hid under the desk for 20 minutes and he got up and he was ready to go and he decided, you know what, not today. And the next day he got up and didn't even hide under the desk and he, and he gave it. And I, and I went through this story for about two minutes and I looked at him and I said, so what do you think? He's like, okay, I'm gonna try, like fantastic. So those are the kind of times when you pull from that experience in your life, right? No matter what it is, that you draw the strength for somebody else by sharing an experience of yours, that you really feel the power of experience, you know, of being somebody who has lived through some stuff. And I think that's probably the best uh, part of this for me is that I got a lot to share. I got a lot of experience, some good, some bad, some crazy, um, but it, it's really about being able to draw from that and help others. 
And so I think that's how I, I got myself out of the whole thing is realizing that you can go through these tough times, but that's actually what gives you the tool set to do amazing things. So and that's the purpose of the show, by the way. Oh yeah. And so thank you for <laughs> wrapping sure. that up so nicely in a bow. Um, yeah, I find that people can learn from others' experiences. Yes, you have to get out there and experience yourself, but knowing that other people, you know, go through struggles and hard times too, and you're not alone in that department, I think it it helps and guides people to keep I hope so. to keep going. Yeah. Yeah, so, good stuff. I'm so proud of the amazing work that you do because you're creating future leaders. You're creating future communicators, um, future people that are going to probably emulate what you've done for them for other people. So, yeah, I, I, I was read, I read something that really made sense to me. It said, you know, a good leader doesn't have followers, a good leader trains other leaders. That, that's I think that's what I look for is I, I don't want a, a, a sea of followers of, of people saying oh coach Mike you're the best I want a sea of leaders that are going out there going coach Mike I'm gonna go train some people I'm gonna go take this on I think that's that's what would make me the most happy and the most satisfied is for somebody to come back and not say look at how great they did but more of look at how great you know we built this empire of leaders I want to put a caveat to what you said because I hope they are the next leaders, but I hope that they're better leaders. You know, I I think we don't teach uh, we don't teach teach critical thinking enough in this country, in anywhere actually. They don't teach it at all in China. I get kids from China that'll come over here and they're scared to death of thinking critically because they know that'll get them in trouble. It's how they question authority. And so I have to have, you know, I have to have a, a focus on critical thinking, not of, of changing, you know, the, the authority, but changing their environment, being able to control their environment and, and create better environments. And I think that you have to first build confidence and then second, give them the skill set through critical thinking and then third and finally you have to challenge them you have to have them use it you they have to apply it and when they do um it's amazing it's so amazing to see a kid just get that power and realize that they control their their path it's pretty phenomenal that actual <laughs> words and conversations create your environment yeah it's not the other way around so thank you for teaching children that that their words are creating their environment instead of their environment is creating what they're saying yeah do you have any kind of critical thinking courses for adults well you know i've been asked that lately especially i'm not sure why you know what's funny is i had i do have classes and i have camps so we have summer camps and the cool thing about our summer camps is that um they're online, so it doesn't matter where you you are. You can you can participate, and there's different age levels. And I was giving a, a lecture the other day, and um, we got a phone call afterwards, and they said, uh, 
they, the student really enjoyed the class. It was their, their first one and they want to sign up. And they were wondering because the parents were right next to him and I couldn't see him, they were off camera. The parents were wondering if there was a class for them because they got so much out of what you were saying. And I thought, wow, um, I should have charged double for that. But <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, we do have adult tournaments now. We did start that. And they're usually, it's usually like when the kids go to bed. So it starts like at 10 o'clock at night kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they're able to do any kind of piece, any kind of speech that they want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're able to see a lot of these other adults. And there's a lot of college students in there too. But um, we've, we've always talked about the idea that we need to have a place where adults can actually participate too. Uh, but I do like that idea. I, I did start a book, writing a book. I've got about, I don't know, 200 pages worth of stuff in it, handwritten. And I, um, I really feel like I want to, I want to get that message out there. But every time I look at a book, I think to myself, as I read a book, I always read what it's saying and think to myself, oh, I, I get that or I like that part, but I'm not sure if I agree with this or that doesn't really mean stuff to me. And uh, I, you know, I understand how really talent, talented you have to be to write a book. And uh, I can speak well, and I can give a lecture, but writing a book is just not a skill set I have. And so, okay, so hello, I've got to tell you something. Yeah. You know, you know who Rod Serling is. There's a dimension that's beyond one to man. So this yeah, is I what I, this is what I suggest. Yeah. You're gonna push record and you're going to speak then you're going to send that recording and get it yeah. transcribed and that's going to be your book yeah i might do that because i think that's i i write like i speak you know there's there's a couple of sentences that have two words in my book and i think i don't think that's proper <laughs> but if <laughs> it you, sounds you, good when i say it so that's how rod serling did all of his um episodes he never wrote he would sit and he would record it and he would send it to a secretary and she would type it up like that yeah that's awesome yeah and if you need any assistance with your book let me know i've okay. helped several people um publish their books this past year and um i've been i've become a best-selling author you know i i think what you've done over your life and i've seen you only from probably midway um has been inspirational for sure uh, because i always find that you are trying new things uh, I see you doing amazing things with helping other people. Um, I think you don't probably take enough credit for what you do because I see you doing amazing. Like I saw that you were, I think, Miss North Hollywood or something <laughs> like that. And I thought to myself, Callie, God, what, what can't you do? <laughs> um, and so I think that's always inspirational to see people just say, the sky's the limit. Let's just get out there and let's do stuff. It inspires others. I just want to experience things and I'm not even quite sure if I found that thing like this speech and debate thing I don't know if I have found that thing for me you know what I mean yeah so I, totally I, I'm, know what you mean. I think I'm still searching yeah and and what and what's fantastic is when you do come across it when you land it you may not notice it right away you may not even understand what it really means um, and then, like I said, it was really not until kids started coming up to me and asking me these dad questions that I realized the impact and the real power that I held that I, that started to scare me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm influencing young minds.
I better I better be good at this. <laughs> I better do a good job because um, they're depending on me. Mm-hmm. So I think that's when you I think I think when you really challenge yourself like that and there's pressure and there's all these emotions going on, I think that's when you really step back and go, you know, I think this is it. I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know, there's so many things, right, in this world that you want to do, and do you have enough time to, to get them all done? And you prioritize them. <laughs> and I got to tell you, my priority is definitely, you know, this, these kids and my kids. Um, I'm really proud of my boys. Uh, they've, they've done quite well. My son has, is finished. He's graduating high school now, wow. Daniel, and he is graduating uh, 14th in the nation. In wow. Proud uh, Papa. Yeah, yeah, and he's going to uh, Barrett College, uh, which is the honors college at uh, Arizona State. Um, and he's going to be debating over there, so it's got it's great the speech and debate school. And he's going to my alma mater, and I can't be prouder of that. Congratulations! Uh, he could have gone anywhere. He got into UCLA and a lot of other places, but he decided to go um, where he wanted to go. So, and my oldest son just graduated Northern Arizona University. So wow. Things are changing all around. And my youngest son is an actor. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, you know, maybe you'll see him on the big screen. He's being courted by some pretty big uh, studios out there. So we'll see oh, if he actually. That's uh, awesome. Makes it. I'm so glad we crossed paths again. And thank you so much for contributing to, to this episode. And we'll talk soon. Say hello to Chris. Take care and uh, be safe. Mm-hmm.